should be able to lift more weight for the same reps in the same technique on absolutely every exercise that they do. Um, mm. Performance in the gym, I mean, if you have more muscle than, and, and toned muscle basically just means a little bit more muscle than what you had before, certainly relative to the fat, you've got more tissue. Mm. Um, it's not a different type of tissue, it's just there's a bit more of it and uh, it, it's firmer because it functions. Um, when you have a bit more muscle, you're obviously going to be stronger. So when you go to the gym, then you should be seeking to do better than you did last time in terms of either the amount of reps that you can do with a weight or the amount of weight that you can do for the same number of reps, or in our case, the calculated max that you can score on, on each of your performances. So the performance is simply that, that you're gradually building up the amount of weight that you can lift um, for the same or more reps on every exercise in good technique. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield and this is Craig McDonald and we're the co-founders of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today we're sitting down with Damon Hayhow, architect of Recomposer, an IFBB Australian bodybuilding champion, Capo Australian powerlifting champion, and multiple Australian record holder. Craig met Damon in 2010 when he trained with him at Biologic Labs. Prior to that, Craig had worked with many PTs and bodybuilding coaches that had put him on restrictive diets and made him train five days a week. He just ended up exhausted and wasn't making progress. Damon's method made so much sense to Craig and he finally started getting the results he was training so hard for previously but could never achieve. He was stronger, he was leaner, he had more lean mass and he was eating more food and training just two to three days per week. Craig loved Damon's methodology so much that he went on to become Recomp certified. Training this way has also changed my body and my life. At nearly 40, I'm training the least I ever have, I'm eating more food than ever, and I'm in the best shape I've ever been. So if you're a woman who's doing all of the cardio and training more and more, but you just can't achieve a lean and toned body without restricting your food intake, then this episode is for you. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets and hours of cardio. Hi, Damon. Thank you um, so Hi, much for joining us, Craig. And oh, this is Craig, aka the sausage. Poor old Craig gets called the sausage, Damon, in our program because I like call him the sausage. <laughs> mm. On the live, and um, now everyone is calling. Just you. fucking stuck. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, I've started. Where that came from maybe offline. Aren't <laughs> yeah. <you>? yeah. <laughs> So yeah. we've just there's a few, few different interpretations of that, but I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I got one. I've got, uh, <laughs> I've started calling Kitty the foghorn and people are just like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But now that's kind of sticking. So we're kind of getting okay. on an easy playing field. So anyway. so well, anyway, thanks so much for joining us again. We've just spent the last hour <laughs> crapping on about strength training and, um, you know, we love Damon and he's really influenced Craig, um, over the years and, you know, really, really grateful to you. Cause I think, you know, if you haven't met Craig and then I hadn't, met Craig I'd probably still be one of those women who was training six or seven days a week eating all the broccoli and binge eating on the weekend and you know not looking like I wanted to look not looking so, like you do yeah yeah exactly yeah so you know we, we just wanted to get you on to talk about you know getting strong and, and really achieving that tone in the athletic body because a lot of the women that come to us um, they want to look like me, you know, that, and I'm going to use the word tone because that's what women understand but the definition of tone is having well-defined muscles yet 
so many women like me continue to just flog themselves with cardio six or seven days a week in an effort to achieve this elusive tone and athletic body. And can you just, Damon, talk about why cardio isn't going to help you look like you want to look? Um, if I could, I'd answer it by talking about what is going to make you look the way you look rather than, than doing the negative as always. Actually, that's true. Let, let, let's start there. Let's, cause I think, and this is, this will lead into this. Um, you know, when we get women to come into our program, we encourage them to eat more and, you know, improve their energy and, you know, basically improve their metabolism. And a lot of them do really well at that and they more consistent with their nutrition and they eat more and they start to feel better. And then they go, but kitty, I don't look like you yet. Like what's going on? You've, you've told me what to do. I'm eating all the food. I'm being really consistent. Um, and I'm training, but I don't look like you. Yeah. And they don't understand why. Yeah. And, and, and it's the same reason that the, the cardio isn't the answer is because everybody seems to be, and even cardio is obsessed with the process instead of the outcome. Mm. And so if you just start at the end, if you consider the, the person that you want to be. So if you take your, um, uh, your, your average, average girl, average body fat, sort of mid thirties, you know, whatever they'll be and have them picture what they would ideally love to look like more like you or, or whatever their end goal is. And invariably that person is just a better athlete. They're a better athlete in the gym. And when you say to them, when you say to anybody, do you, do you picture yourself with your amazing body absolutely miserable, starving all day, every day, slothing on a treadmill, like chained to a treadmill for 18 hours per day. Like, is that your vision of perfection? And everyone's like, no, don't be ridiculous. You go, well, why would you start training to do that? Hmm. Because ultimately dropping calories and jumping on the treadmill and just doing more and more stuff, you go, what are you actually training to do? you're training to be a person who can do lots of useless stuff while eating no food and your body will help happily oblige, but you don't need to have a good body to do that. Mm -hmm. And and if you look at all the people with terrible bodies who don't eat very much food and, uh, and spend lots of time doing really lazy exercise, that's good evidence that, you know, a human is able to walk for many hours per day on virtually no food and look absolutely terrible because why would you need a lean muscular toned body um, in order to do that? So the answer to the question isn't so much why don't you do this? It's more, what do you do? And the answer is you need to train like you want to be that person you want to look like. And invariably that person, the only real material performance differences, they can lift much more than you. Hmm. So that's what you need to train for because that's why they've got prettier, better, more toned muscles. Their muscles are better than yours, which means they exert more force means they can lift more weight. So that's what you've got to train for. And the same thing with the food you go, if you're going to be stronger and able to lift these weights, if you envisage yourself as this vibrant, energetic person who can go to the gym and, and lift much better weights than you on absolutely everything, <laughs> excuse me, that person um, eats food. They don't starve. They need food. But what about Damien, you know, like this is what I said to Craig, this is back when I first started, because a lot of the, the women that really stick to the process and are very consistent, we find that over the time that they're with us, we actually increase their calories, yet yeah. their body fat goes down. But I don't understand, Damon, how is it that I'm eating more food and losing body fat and doing no cardio? Like a lot of women don't understand how, how that happens. Uh, the, the, 
The, the Ooh, don't don't ask the mechanism question. No, no, not the mechanism. Exactly right. It's like the, yeah. the how doesn't matter. The you can predict the outcome um, just logically. You go if mm. you if you feed the body, you know, good clean food, and you do good quality training that you make performance improvements. You're training your body to utilize the food effectively and become a, a higher performance machine. And so as you become a higher performance machine, you've trained the body to take in more food to, to, to do that. It will be able to take in more food and become an even higher performance machine. And it's, you look at all of the athletes in the world and you go, the big difference between where they're at at the Olympic level versus when they first entered the sport is that they can eat more food and they can perform much better. Mm. And it's exactly the same with the gym. So the big problem with the cardio is that you just need to step back and go, well, what are you training for here? Mm. Like, you're training to walk at a pace that you can comfortably walk. What happens when you achieve it? You can walk for a lot. Yeah. Like, who cares? What? Yeah. There's, there's no achievement in it. Um, so, so Damon, but when you say performance in the gym, I'm sorry to keep digging deeper into this because a lot of women who follow me are new to lifting and new to this. Yeah. So when you say improve performance in the gym, what do you specifically mean? What should they be trying to do? They should be able to lift more weight for the same reps in the same technique on absolutely every exercise that they do. Um, mm. Performance in the gym. I mean, if you have more muscle than, and, and toned muscle basically just means a little bit more muscle than what you had before. Certainly relative to the fat, you've got more tissue. Mm. Um, it's not a different type of tissue. It's just, there's a bit more of it and uh, it, it's firmer because it functions. Um, when you have a bit more muscle, you're obviously going to be stronger. So when you go to the gym, then you should be seeking to do better than you did last time in terms of either the amount of reps that you can do with a weight or the amount of weight that you can do for the same number of reps, or in our case, the calculated max that you can score on, on each of your performances. So performance is simply that, that you're gradually building up the amount of weight that you can lift um, for the same or more reps on every exercise in good technique. Mm. And, and it's, and it's important because it, the, um, we'll probably get into this, but it may, it's across all exercises because again, looking at it backwards, you go, if you have gained muscle all over your body, so your whole body is improved, every exercise that you do should be better than it used to be. Mm. Whether or not you're doing that exercise regularly or not, it, it shouldn't matter. If you've got more muscle, you should be able to, lift more weight more easily for more reps. Mm. And that, that's a, you know, like, cause we, we talk a lot about squat bench and deadlift, but let's say you're a woman who just for whatever reason, you know, you can't squat. What, yep. like what, what, what other exercises are like, what are the ones that are, what do you think are the, the most important exercises? Like obviously a bicep curl versus a deadlift is it's, more benefit. It's actually pretty easy. It's yeah. the exercises that allow you to lift the most weight tend to be the exercises that give you the most rapid progress. They're the easiest to make progress on and they're the easiest for your body to just grow strong on, generally, generally speaking. So uh, what are those exercises? List them out for the ladies. Uh, on, on legs, you know, you know, I love leg press um, over and above squats. Um, and you've got every variation of deadlift that you can possibly do. Um, your hack squats can generally be pretty damn good pretty much every kind of free barbell 
uh, and dumbbell exercise you can do is really, really good. Um, the little single joint exercises and particularly cable exercises or anything with a band is basically a complete waste of time. Um, uh, so exercises like tricep kickbacks or concentration dumbbell curls, the things that you can't lift very heavy weights on mm. tend to be the exercises that you're not going to make much progress on ever um, mm. and, and probably shouldn't be bothered with very much at all. Mm. Yeah. So we're, lo- we're looking at it from a point of going, look at the actual movement pattern you're doing. So in, you know, a squat movement, it's you're doing the same you know, hip and knee extension flexion in a leg press is the same with a hack squat, and whatever. But all of those movements are lower, are loading the lower body, uh, you know, yeah. as well. And as providing your form is good and it's standardized, you go in the same amount of depth each time. Yeah. Um, that way you can actually gauge that progress. And the reality is whether you get really good at a hack squat or a leg press or a squat, they're all the big movements. They all require you to lift the most amount of weight. So if, correct progressing on the one that you can do the most efficiently do that for as long as you can and sort of stop making progress, then look to change it. I mean, if you yeah. can squeeze months and months and months or 12 months, especially if you're a beginner out of the one exercise, you know, I, I you know, we'll probably digress into to a, a different chat, but it's like, if you're doing so well with a particular exercise, don't change it because the more you do it, the even better you get at it, mm-hmm. the more efficient you can do it the more you can measure it from a week to week basis. And it's like, if you only made progress, if I only made one, if I only had to do like three fucking exercises and, and continue to get stronger, I'd be like, awesome. I don't have to worry what? about anything. So, so would you say then that it's bullshit about like, you know, I hear some other coaches saying, oh, but you need variety. You know, you need to be working all the different <laughs> angles. And what, 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 do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, it, yeah, actually, just going going back to what Craig said, um, one of the the critical um, the the assessment that I make on the quality of any given exercise is does it translate across other exercises? So the thing that I love about bench squat and deadlift, and you guys love as well, and and the sport of powerlifting loves about them, is that you you can't bullshit them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very, very honest exercises for measuring where your strength happens to be at. So whether or not you, at, but having said that, like take myself, for example, bench press is one of the worst exercises that I've ever done to make progress. I have ridiculously long arms. My shoulder angle goes all yuck and it just, it just doesn't really work with my body structure. So I persisted with bench presses as a primary exercise for years. I just never made very much progress on it. So I don't actually rate bench press for myself as a great exercise. I still measure my strength progress on bench press, but I make the progress doing other exercises that work better for me. So I like dumbbell bench presses and dips where I can lift even more weight. Um, but that's, that's how you rate the exercises is does the strength translate? So that then comes across to what Craig was then talking about in the same technique, which is vital because you get a lot of people, particularly on the leg press, they love the leg press because they can go up by 50 kilos every week, nonstop forever until they're lifting a million kilos because they just get shorter and shorter until their knees aren't bending at all. And you go, that's not training. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about putting more weight on the device or on the bar or the machine. We're talking about being able to lift more weight in the same technique. That's what you're training for. 
So you need to do the exercise the way that makes progress, that makes real progress. And then you can measure whether it's working by testing out other exercises occasionally and seeing whether or not you've gotten stronger on those on those exercises. So actually, this is a question with the technique question and standardizing your technique. Like obviously when you're pushing to failure and you're getting to those last few, few reps, you know, when, well, I guess this is probably a hard one to answer, but you know, like the last few reps may not look like the first two, like you, your form will break down slightly. Like when do you pull up stumps and go, this is looking filthy now. Like it's not standard, standardized anymore. Like would you allow a little bit of wiggle room with the reps at the end? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. the, the, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that the vast majority of exercises in the gym, um, there's, there's no such thing as, a, it's only really on your shoulder presses and your bench pressy type exercises that you can go, there's a real failure point. Because it's like the weight goes down, it ain't not coming back up. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do. Yeah. You can always do an uglier rep of a bicep curl, and you can always do an uglier rep of a lat pull down or a row or even a leg extension, leg curl, leg press. There's always an uglier rep that you can do. Um, and, and so it does become somewhat subjective at what point you really over bullshitted that rep and you, you know, and, and, and whatever. Um, I, uh, th- there's a number of ways to handle it. Certain exercises, it's more obvious where you really bullshitted the rep and, and where you didn't. Um, the, what for me it comes back to is to remember the fact that we're training. So in terms of, um, well, let's take a set of bicep curls, for example. We're, we're, we're in the gym to make progress on our bicep curls. So let's say last week we lifted 30 kilos for 10 reps. This week we want to do uh, 11 reps, for example. Um, if it was a hard 10 reps last week and the last rep was already a little bit dodgy looking in the technique, when you get to 10 reps this week, you can't really determine whether or not the dodginess of that rep was more or less dodgy than last week. Is it better or work? Can't really tell. So you've got a choice at that point. You can either put the bar down and go, well, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to try an 11th rep or you can do an 11th rep. That's ugly. And hopefully it's only as ugly as was necessary to do the one last week. But by doing the 11th rep, yes, it, it got a little bit ugly as long as it wasn't dangerous. And, it, mm. and you really have to do something pretty damned outlandish on a bicep curl for it to be dangerous. Mm. Um, as long as it wasn't dangerous, then it's like you've just forced your body to do something it wasn't able to do last week. You've trained it to keep curling where ordinarily it wouldn't keep curling. It's never, ever done that before. That's what training is. Mm. And so then the next week, if you do a 12th rep and then the next week, a 13th rep and you gradually build this up. And after three months, let's say you're up to 40 kilos for 15 reps, but they're pretty freaking disgusting now. And you, you know, you've kind of gone overboard with it. Cool. On my next program, it's like, let's reset the bicep curl and let's go back to 30 kilos, say, and see what we can do in much better form and don't let ourselves do the bad reps. Mm-hmm. And then we build up and up and up and up again. And maybe in another three months time on the bicep curl, uh, we're up to 45 kilos for 15 reps and mm-hmm. they're hideously ugly, but they're five kilos heavier than the 15 hideously ugly reps were three months before that. That's progress. That's mm-hmm. what training is about. Um, Obviously, there's a degree of skill and degree of coaching um, that is required to know what the point of acceptable bullshit is and, mm. and, and what's not. But 
um, again, when you step away from uh, everybody's fixated on the um, the biomechanics and this, that, and the other thing, and when you just get to the essence of let's just try to train for progress like an athlete who's just training for themselves, which is what we are, and we just want to get really good at this. What's the fastest way to make, make progress on my curls? I don't really care if my curls are the prettiest curls in the known universe. I just want to get much stronger on them. So mm. using a little bit of ugliness judiciously to make some extra progress, I'm personally fine with within reason. Yeah, of course. Like we were talking before, like if your squats start to get super high, like well, yeah, there's, and, and there's, and there's certain exercises like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a Nazi on the squat that it's got to be below parallel mm-hmm. because in my experience with myself and everyone that I've worked with, when you don't squat below parallel, the progress that you make comes fast and none of it translates to your actual full depth squat. It's an entirely different group of muscles and it's a different technique. And so I I've even had people go from say, uh, you know, there's one guy I remember from years ago, he went from 80 kilos to 220 kilos on a squat in the space of 12 months. And then I saw his squat and I'm like, dude, you need to bend your knees. Like it's, <laughs> nodding your head standing at the top is not a rep of squats you know and we took him back until he could squat properly and he was still squatting the same 80 kilos he'd gotten used to the weight but there was no power out of the bottom of the squat and his legs hadn't developed and that that translates to my own progress when i very very first started training i built my squat up to 130 for eight reps pretty damn quickly and the instructor was the same thing. He's like nodding your head while standing under the bar is not doing a squat, dude. You need to bend your knees. And he took my squat from 130 for eight back to 90 for one. And it was a grindy maxed out. Oh my God, this is hard. A few months later, I was back up to 130 for eight and I'd put over two inches on my thighs of muscle by squatting properly. Um, so, so- and this is this leads on to the next question. So that going through that, and this might sound like a simple question, but for the women who are listening, so why is I know it the in- women will hate the idea of putting <laughs> on their thighs. Yeah. Uh, I was a 50 yeah. kilo little skinny guy with little stick legs. So yeah. please. And yeah, if you, if you're getting to 130 for eight reps as a 56 kilo female, then you, you you're be- doing very, very yeah. well. <laughs> so it's important then to go through the full range of motion. Well, I, that's what I found is that the on on certain exercises, um, bench presses, for instance, I find that going through the full range of motion, if a person has a long arm like I do, the excess rolling in the shoulder actually mm-hmm. means they make no progress, which is what I always experienced. And mm-hmm. if I shorten down the stroke and, and, and I tuck into the lats, which won't mean much to most people who are listening, but um, if I shorten the stroke to the range of motion, my shoulder is good with, then I can actually make progress on a bench press. So I do do bench press when I'm training. I never bother touching my chest because I never make progress and it just annoys my shoulders. Mm. If I bench press about three inches short of my chest, cause I've got very long arms, then I make progress. And then after I've added 20 kilos to my bench press in the short range, I can take 10 kilos off the bar and I can touch my chest with it. I've made 20 kilos of real strength progress. Mm but I don't actually train the movement the way that I'm going to do it to measure its progress. Squats are the opposite. Squats Mm. change. If you don't squat beneath parallel and use that uh, spring out of the hole, Mm. then 
the the progress just isn't real. You can add more weight to the bar, but you don't find that your legs get any stronger and they don't get any more toned and they don't look any better. And neither does your ass. It, it all happens. The magic happens in the squat when you dip into to proper depth. Yeah, parallel. Yeah. So, the, yeah. so, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about this in our program too, is that, um, you know, actually, cause I think sometimes, and I've done this as well, I could go into a set and I'm not really focused, you know, and the difference between when I'm really, bad idea. I, 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 I think about the things that Craig's taught me in terms, you know, like when I'm squatting, breathing, bracing, the hips turning on really pulling in tight, really thinking about what I'm doing, yep. then squatting versus when I like haven't spent the time thinking about the what I have to have to do and focusing, I'll get more reps. Like yeah. how important is, is learning those basic fundamentals when it comes to lifting? Like you talked about like when you bench press, you know, you're pulling everything, it's the tightness, it's the breathing. Like we notice it in women in our program who get really good results. You watch them lift and it's just magic. Yeah. Like, you know, like we said, we watch well, you. It's, it's crucial. It, it, it comes back to what, what we very, very, what I very, very first said. It's about training to be the athlete that you want to be. It's about training like you actually want to be a person who can do that thing. Mm. And for me personally, it's always that if you're going to spend the same amount of time in the gym and you're going to be doing the same stuff anyway, and it's going to hurt anyway, wouldn't you just make it good? Wouldn't you just do it properly? Mm. Um, because it makes all the difference in the world. And certainly uh, when, you know, if you, if you aren't, focused on getting the performance when you go into the set that's when you risk injury that's when you also guarantee disappointment it's everything's bad about it so learning to do it properly but not in a contrived sense learning to do it properly because you want to do it well it should be part of anything that you do you know um and 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 damon you know like a lot of i think our society and women and they're just conditioned with the fitness industry that they want quick you know, they want to see such quick results because everyone's selling them an eight-week challenge where they're going to drop 10 kilos. So, you know, with lifting and, and mastering that skill and then making that strength progress, like it's a slow process. Like, you know, like... Well, it's... it's it, it, not yeah. slow, slow, but it's not quick. Like you can, anyone can tell you to eat 1,500 calories and run on the treadmill and drop five kilos in a week, you know, like yeah. um, how, like... How, how can women, because we, we struggle with this sometimes too, is helping them switch their mindset to, okay, yes, I've got that goal of I want to be at 150 kilo calculated one around, but what are all the tiny little steps I've got to, like just show up to the next session and aim to be like good at the lifting and just get the numbers that are right in front of you. Because if you can add a kilo every week, you know, to your calculated one around or whatever it is, in, in a year's time, you're going to be, looking amazing you know like it's getting it's, that mentality yeah i mean it, it's kind of you you can jesus you could draw any analogy that you want to to this sort of um you know the 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 real cost of buying that chanel handbag on your credit card you know um and 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 then having to go without all of the things that you want to do for the next year as you try to pay off the monstrous debt with the high interest on the credit card it's the quick easy fix the the stupid thing that you do to get this, um, you know, 30 day challenge or this eight weeks to just shred off some weight of which everybody knows it's 90% water and it's going to bounce back within the seven days of, of resuming the stupid shit that made you fat in the first place. Um, it's, it's a completely different, you're buying a different product to building a better body. 
So mm. building a better body, it's like ultimately you you will go massively further in the next 12 weeks after your 12-week challenge and you'll keep it that much easier without any of the suffering and you'll be able to continue going further and further and further and you won't need to go through another stupid 12-week challenge detox <laughs> stupid thing again. Um, mm. It's a different product. Um, you know, and, and you've got to make up your mind what you want. Uh, it's, it's kind of like going, you know, I've, I've found another house that I want to buy. So I'm going to sell my house now as fast as I possibly can. It's like, well, you can do that, but you're going to get, you know, absolutely destroyed on this, on the, on the sale price potentially, which is going to wipe out the amount of equity that you would be able to put into the next house. And it might mean that you don't even get the next house that you want. It's, mm. it's the same thing that that instant uh, gratification usually comes with a, a longer term, bigger cost. Mm. Um, but having said that, like the, the bigger downside that I see is I've taken, um, you know, one of, one of my exemplary clients who just did what I said back in the day went from 57% body fat to 22% in exactly six months. That's incredible. Um, and that was training two days per week and eating way more food than she ever ate before in her life. And she'd turn up to the gym twice a week and she would do maybe, you know, six to 10 working sets for the whole workout an hour mm. twice a week. Mm. And she, she dropped down from a hundred and way in the hundreds down to sub 80 kilos at 22% in the first six months. Mm. Like it's a, she built muscle in that time. She toned up her hair, her skin, her eyes had sparkle, everything improved. And and that's what you and I see on a, on a routine basis with the people who just do it properly. And you Mm. go is 57% to 22 slow. No, No. yeah. and, it's and, the and any of these, yeah, and, yeah. And if you did two 12 week detoxy kind of uh, 12 week challenges in a row, guaranteed no one's ever done 57 to 22% in that time. Mm. And this was another person who came to us, like so many of your clients do, not eating. Mm. So eating nothing was not going to be the solution to the problem that was caused by eating nothing. Mm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't an option. That's actually a good lead on because, you know, like we, women will come into our program and like, you don't get to a hundred kilos eating 1200 calories. Like it's impossible. M- most, oh, I would disagree. I'd say you can. In but, fact, I've seen. But, know, it's the it's binge eating, you know, like a lot of women, when you dig a bit deeper, they'll go, I eat 1200 calories during the week. Yeah. Then on the weekend, I can't control my cravings anymore, and yeah. I just go and eat a fuck ton of food. But when yeah. we actually just get them eating more consistently, more food every single day and they strength train, all of a sudden they're like, holy shit. Like the fat's just melting off. Yeah, well, that's because I would say the, the the funny thing in my experience has been that all of the the seriously overweight, uh, obese people that um, that I've worked with over the years, in virtually every case, you know, mm. with a very very few exceptions, they were under eaters, and it was the quality of what they ate. You know, mm. they'd get up in the morning and they'd they'd have an up and go, and they'd have you know six coffee, uh, you know, black coffee things a day, and they'd snack on little snakes and biscuits and bits mm. of cheese and and whatever else. And then at dinner, they'd just be tired from the day's work, and so they'd go and they'd either order a pizza or they'd have a bottle of wine or whatever it was. But the the total caloric intake was not high. They didn't really have the stomach capacity to eat very much, even when they tried to binge on the weekend because they they didn't eat all week. But if you if you could um, 
get a list of everything they'd eaten the last 12 months, you could probably guess their weight was going to be bad because it was just crap, 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 crap. Like there was no nutritious food that went into them. And so as soon as you stuff them full of nutritious food, the body's like, thank God, thank you. Now I can start actually doing some of the, the metabolic processes I was designed to do. I can start fixing up your, your dried out ratty skin and your dried out ratty hair. And I can uh, start fixing up your liver and your other bits and pieces that have just gone to ruin because you, you just fed processed sugary colorized crap. Um, and yeah, that, it, it's a cheap trick. It's just stop eating shit, start eating real food. And it's just amazing how people, every aspect of a person's uh, state of mind, their, their physical appearance, performance and everything just, it just starts improving. Mm. It, it is actually incredible. It still blows my mind when I see women, cause it's just so um, amazing watching their transformation. And also yeah. they get so empowered, you know, cause they're stronger and they can lift these heavy weights and they're starting to look better and sleep better. And they're just like, Oh, this is so amazing. Well, I, I also love, you know, the, um, the, the, the remedy to the low carb thing. Cause you know, we get a lot of people coming in and they've been to, you know, zero carbs. For yeah, the let's last talk about years. that. That's a good, <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's like, a, it's a common thing they do you know, they've been doing 12 hours of cardio a week and they're on zero carbs all the time, except the occasional binge that they have on the weekend. Um, and they're all invariable, invariably 25 to 30% body fat. Like they're not lean and they're not necessarily little. They're on low calories, low carbs, um, and, and can't go anywhere. And so the first thing you do is you go, well, the, the remedy to your problem. So it's not the remedy to all problems, but the remedy to this problem is we need to feed you a high carb diet. And it's like, here's what's going to happen. The first day you're going to be virtually suicidal. You're going to be going in and out of diabetic comas. And by the third day, you're going to feel like you're completely pregnant. Your stomach's going to be sticking out and you're, you, you know, careful driving your car because you might fall asleep. Not seriously, but yeah. Um, but, but it's awful. You'll be bloated. You'll be tired. You'll be up and down energy. You'll go a little bit loopy and then, you know, diabetic coma again. But in seven days, we're going to measure you. And I can almost guarantee you, you will be lighter and leaner than you are today. Mm. And it would be a 95% success rate that that happens on. And they're like, I don't understand. I feel so fat and bloated and all the rest of it. It's like, give me another week. Look what happened. You're lighter and leaner. And within a week, it's just like, I feel fantastic. All my energy's back. I feel lighter. I feel leaner. My clothes are fitting better. And it's like, you can fix the mess if they push through with the appropriate treatment for the condition that they created. Mm. Um, and it's it's staggering it's virtually every client that that i've ever worked with it's just i can't eat all the food <laughs> seven days later lighter leaner than they were a week ago yeah um, yeah and and the other thing they often they'll say like i can't believe it i've actually taken a shit every day this week <laughs> and i'm like yes. you weren't doing that before and they're like maybe twice a week or three times and you just yeah, like, yeah. and it came out by itself like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it wasn't harder than doing a maximum deadlift. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they, again, it's, it's, it's that it's like you're giving the body what it's, what it needs to what do a normal, yeah, a normal mm. bodily function. Yeah. It's like, if you're not doing that, that's a problem. And that yeah. is a reflection of what you've been doing. Yeah. So the moment you just start letting the body do what it's naturally do by providing the resources that it needs. Like, I mean, it's, 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 
I really can't overstate the simplicity of that. No, yeah. It, you know it's I mean? so like, blatantly obvious once you've actually yeah. experienced it and done it and, and maybe seen it a couple of times. And then you're like, yeah. well, of course that would happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't think most people realize just how atrociously bad their diets are and how atrociously bad food that's readily available generally is. It's yes. like, there's, there's very little that you can... I mean, the rule of thumb is, is that... Uh, anything that you can eat straight from a packet or bag from the supermarket probably shouldn't be eaten. Mm. Like it, it's just garbage. Um, mm. And when people have eaten clean for a period of time um, and, and strictly, they actually then start to understand it's not hard to eat clean because when you eat that shit, you feel bad. Yeah, you like, really quick. Can yeah. I just jump in yeah. there and say, yeah, just, for, like, the, for people listening, when you say clean, he doesn't mean, because I think a lot of women, and this is what I thought, before clean, I, I mean natural. I mean, yeah, like they think, oh, clean means what to me before I, when I was a stupid fucking asshole, you know, eating fuck all, <laughs> doing heaps of cardio. I thought that a clean diet was oat milk, you know, chicken and, and broccoli milk. with some asparagus. Yeah, yeah. like no yeah. carbs and yeah. almond milk, and you know, yeah. like I drink soy milk. Whereas now, like we eat fruit, potatoes, steak, seafood, mm. good quality mm. dairy. We'll eat some yeah. cheese. You know, we have the casein protein powder. You know, mm. good. Um, new, new, they have nutrients in them, you know, yeah. and carbs. And uh, yeah. I think women, they, they, they're so afraid of carbs. They're so afraid. Like, I get comments all the time, like today, oh, it just it blows my mind. Like these women that have scrolled past, oh, what, what did you read this? This is like, cause I recommend you know, we eat carbs, train, you know, perform in the gym. This is ridiculous. You shouldn't be eating fruit and sugar and you know, your body can survive without carbs. It's like, well, yeah, it can survive, yeah. but like if you're not going to be thriving in the gutter on turpentine. That yeah, doesn't exactly. make a good idea. It's like yeah. not, a, yeah. not an example of a, of a life. Oh, it's, just, it's, just, it's not particularly it's useful for the rest argument. of us. You know what Correct. I mean? Correct. Like, yeah. yeah. But it it's can like, be done. That's important. Yeah. 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 It's, it's possible. Like the, the, the Inuits, the Eskimos always get, oh, there's Inuits who live off. Uh, yeah, there's Africans living off dirt. dirt Apparently yeah. dirt's got nutrients in it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. We, we've already right. got that, but they all look like shit. And they like, you know, there's just so many things wrong with them that that's not even something that's worth even toy. It's not even an argument in this. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing, in, I mean, girls in particular, it seems, I mean, it's a gross generalization, I'm, hmm. but I'm a, you know, white patriarchal male. So I'm a sack of shit anyway. Um, but it, it's, it's an amazing thing that that virtually every female i work with you put them on a high carb diet and they're just damn happy yeah. oh. you know like they're just nice people and they're just yeah. like you know when i go on the protein diet i'm a little bit drier but i make better progress and i'm just happier i sleep better at night i'm just happy and i'm not a carb advocate i've got no skin in the game i don't sell a carbohydrate product i don't care what kind of diet people go on i put people on everything i put them on ketogenic diets on occasion um high protein high fat i'm a high fat diet fan myself which doesn't mean that it's absent in carbohydrates i still have you know a few cups of rice per day in a high fat diet um dieted into competition on that but yeah you you give girls generally high high carb diets most girls and there's always exceptions um mm. but most girls are just everything works better so the the whole low carb thing again 
the, the reason that people say don't do carbs, they'll give you some complicated biochemical processy bullshit. And you're like, you don't know anything about that. Mm. It's like, I've, I've run a medical business. I've looked at thousands of blood tests over the course of my life and consulted to people what they mean. I've never seen an insulin build a glycogen ever in my life. Mm. I've never seen a blood glucose. I don't know where the fuck the carbohydrate goes after you eat it. No mm. one does. And all these people telling you, this is what happens inside your body and the insulin does this and then the insulin does that and da, da, da. It's all bullshit. They've got no idea. Eat the food, measure what it does. There's the answer to every question. Yeah. And, yeah. and you I, know, I one week of eating some carbs and seeing what happens, you're not going to turn into thunder thighs. Could just change yeah. your life. Yeah. And it will change your life, ladies. Like, trust me, yeah, low carb. It's quite remarkable. Yeah. yeah. It's, you, you just, you're right. You're happy. <laughs> And if, and, if any, and if anything, if ever there was a, uh, a universally, and again, I'm talking about a diet for people who want optimal body composition. I'm not talking, you know, you can do a ketogenic diet for the rest of your life like the Eskimos do. And if you've got um, epilepsy, then that might be the thing for you. Yeah. But yeah. if you're a non-epileptic and mm. you want to have optimal body composition performance in the gym and all the rest of it, I'd have to say a long-term low-carb diet is about the worst choice you could possibly make mm. um, yeah. as, a, as a blanket statement. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like or you a said, no carb diet. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a whole another debate of why. But I mean, obviously, we're carb advocates for that particular reason. But it's just like there are very limited uh, applications of when you would use a, a, a high fat diet in, in any context. But certainly, from the point of like, well, if your goal is to look like, as we said at the start, that athlete that you want to become, well, that's only going to happen by performance. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's it, it, performance is fueled by carbs, by carbs. Like yeah. it's just, you know, and if you don't, and if you don't believe it, you can just try it. You can just mm. do your training on a low carb diet for a period of time and you'll perform just fine. Stick the carbs back and see what happens. It gives you a performance boost. It just that, yeah. that, that doesn't mean that that's proof that a carb diet long-term is the way to go either. But yeah. um, for most people who think that the solution is a low carb diet or a, or a next to no carb diet, I would very strongly argue in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, at, at past a certain point when you're overdoing the fats, the body is essentially turning them into pseudo carbohydrates. Like that's, that's essentially what it's, it's doing. It has to convert it somewhere to an energy source. Yeah. So it's well, still, I don't know. I, I, I don't, again, I don't know. I've never seen it myself. Um, and you know, as somebody who's been on a, um, on, on high fat diets for most of probably my training history. It's just, it's just important to say my idea of a high fat diet is still 20% carbs minimum. Yeah. So when I'm on 4,000 calories per day, 20%, 800 calories are still coming from carbohydrates. So yeah. as a, that's not a typical low carb. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you, and you, you kind of go, so, you know, I'm, I might be someone who you'd go, well, you advocate low carbs and it's sort of like, yeah, but within context, that's still yeah. 200 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. At the low end. <laughs> still most still more than what some people are still doing as, yeah. as a high carb diet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a fat diet. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's, can we touch this touch on to that? We were talking about this, um, prior to the Damon was rolling his eyes. Um, <laughs> like a lot of women, uh, they think that doing more is going to help them pro pro make progress and get to where they want to be. And can you just, because women who listen to this might not understand like what's volume, 
what's intensity like you know why why do we see and i've done it myself you know i'm like i've got to do more i've got to do more i've got to do more sets if i want to make progress but i just end up hitting the wall and i'm exhausted and i can't sleep and i'm just frazzled and i'm not making progress Mm -hmm. so can you just talk a bit about that sure um there's, there's a general belief out there that's very widely held that it's just um, more volume is always better, um, that it just gives you better, fast results and all the rest of it. This comes from... Can you just um, go back? Sorry, Damon. What is volume? When you say volume, what does that mean? Look, the way, the way I look at volume is that it's, it's the total number of working sets that you would do in a week, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to define it that it's way. It's the amount of work. How, how much amount work of stuff doing. that you do. How yeah. much work you're doing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So frequency, you can look at two ways. It's how often do you go to the gym or it could be how often do you hit that body part? It, it, it's up to you. But volume is the amount of sets that you do of, of stuff. Mm. Um, and generally speaking, there uh, there's a, a very, very strong promotion that more volume equals more results to a certain degree. And there's certainly a belief that you must do a reasonably high amount of volume in order to get any results. This tends to come from uh, two places when it's, as it relates to weight training sort of stuff. The main one is, is that um, the, the philosophical belief that all training progress or strength progress comes from the skill. Mm. And it makes sense that anything else that you're trying to develop the skill for, the more you practice, the more rapidly you should be able to acquire that skill. It becomes more second nature. So that's kind of where that originally came from. And then you've got to understand that the, the science is generally let's, um, let's measure and test what people are doing and see what happens and compare the same quality of work with high or low volume, which happens to be a very low quality of work. And we'll try it with high volume and low volume. And, oh, look, the studies show that, we, that high volume is much better. And you go, yeah, well, if you do lots of shit, that's better than a little bit of shit. But it's the doing the shit that I would argue is mm. probably the problem. Um, it also then comes from on the, on the bodybuilding side of things that all of the, the studies and the research there look at short-term, basically, well, it's, it's hypertrophy. Hypertrophy means an increase in the size of the cell. And the way that you get acute hypertrophy is that you inflame it, you swell it up, you fill it with glycogen, water, inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. And the best way to get inflammation is again, a lot of volume. And you'll also get an adaptive response where the muscle will suck up more carbohydrates and it'll swell up. So all the ladies out there who have gone to the gym for the first time and done their first uh, leg workout with half a dozen sets of legs and then their pants didn't fit the next day, know what hypertrophy is. It's just this short-term swelling that happens is like that. Now, the the thing is, is that there's, there's hardly a study out there that shows that, that runs longer than eight weeks looking at hypertrophy and eight weeks does not tell you what's going to happen in the next eight months or eight years. Um, so the, the two sides of this coin, the skill side and the hypertrophy side, the, the data that people look at relates to volume. What we talk about, though, is training intensity. And that's basically how much weight you lift for how long. It's the time under tension for what it actually means. Yeah. Uh, so really the amount of time you can be under really, really heavy weight and yeah. pushing that to the absolute limit of your capability. Mm. Um, now, obviously, 
there's an inverse relationship. If you lift the heaviest weight you can for as many reps as you can go to the deepest level of fatigue you possibly can, you can't do that 20 times in a row <laughs> and then do it six days per week. The way you're actually, you actually have to train your body to conserve resources. So when you do train for 20 sets per workout or 40 sets per workout and all the rest, you're training your body to not expend all of its energy on one really good high quality set, but keep that energy available so that you can do repeat effort, repeat effort, repeat effort, which must be at a lower level than if you trained the body to put everything into one set. Mm. So that's fine, but you've then got to ask yourself, well, which is better? And to my way of thinking, I go, well, let's go back to our original philosophy, which is look at the end goal and then work backwards. The only thing I know about the athlete that I want to be is that that person can lift more than me. Mm. I don't know how many sets they can do. It doesn't seem relevant. If they have more muscle tissue, they can exert more force. They can lift more weight than me for one set of 10 reps. Mm. So that's what I should train for. And when I train to do the very best quality set that I possibly can, I don't have the, you know, with squats and deadlifts and the hard exercise, I don't have the psychological desire or willpower to do, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth set with that same level of intensity. Mm. So you, no matter what level you look at, look at it, whether it's the psychological level, the physiological level, the energetic level, you have to make a choice between I either train to do lots of, lower performance shit or a little bit of really high performance shit. And the outcome that we want is the ability to do a very little bit of very high performance shit. Therefore train with high intensity, lower the volume, lower the frequency, and then measure that your performance is going up. And well, as we said, sorry, sorry, well, I just want to jump in there and ask. So like, what about if you, let's just use the squad as an example that your technical execution of that movement is so poor that you just can't push enough to, you know, get to, to, to failure because you just, you shit at it. What would you recommend doing that then? Like, would you practice getting better at the skill and maybe jump on the hacks that some sort of squat machine and push that to failure? Cause it takes out all the technical, you know, I sort of, um, uh, I, I would say get better at your squat. You, you, yeah. A human being should be able to crouch and stand up. Mm. Um, I have a philosophy with, uh, with training, which is, or with exercise execution, which is um, that at your limit, you, you only have the luxury of focusing on one thing. Mm. And everyone I've worked with, it's a case of distilling down the exercise, putting them in the position to make every, to make, to make as many aspects as possible, take care of themselves mm. so that they can focus on the one thing that connects in their mind and makes them do everything else. Right. Mm. Because if you tell, if the solution that you've been given to your squat is you need to do this, 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 there's like 25 things you need to think about all at once while you're doing the squat, you are never going to squat properly. Mm. It needs to be distilled down to one thing. And in order to get it down to one thing, the, the things that I will use are, you know, you've got to change. Um, this will get misunderstood if I say it, but let me just say it and I'll qualify it. Mm. You've, you've got to change the less relevant aspects of the squat so that the person can get the overall shape of the squat 
perfect. Okay. So what I mean by that is very often my tricks for getting a person to squat properly, most people try to squat too upright and that causes all of their problems. Their weight goes forward. They go on their toes. They lose their balance. Uh, they can't get to depth. They hurt their knees. Every problem most people have with squats is because they probably don't have the perfect structure for squats and, and they sit too upright with their back. So I'll tell them to look down, round their shoulders use a low bar position, walk out semi bent over and to put their chest between their thigh, between their knees. And I'll probably put their feet out a little bit wider and turn their toes a, um, a little bit more. And it's like everything breaks every rule you've ever been told about how to squat. All of your head up, chest up, uh, you know, uh, bum out, sit down. Nah, let's do the opposite because when a person squats naturally in that way and that technique is ruining their squat, you need to make it seem as massively foreign to them as possible so they don't fall straight back into that shape of squat again. Mm. So by making them look down and put their chest down first, automatically their ass goes back because in their brain, they don't compute ass back. They do compute chest down. And you might say, well, that's wrong. And you go, yeah, but they actually squat perfectly now. Mm -hmm. And once I've got them squatting perfectly, I can go, cool. Now you're squatting perfectly. Stick your head up, fix it later. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're injuring your back and ruining your knees and not getting to depth and you can't lift the weight, if putting your head down fixes all of that, it's a better trade-off, you know, is it ideal for a power lifter? I don't really give a damn because they're not training to be a power lifter. They just want to do squats to get a sexier ass and legs and make progress. So once I do all of those things and then I can get them to just focus on standing up and it's just, I want you, you know, when I'm teaching a person the squat, I'll start them at the bottom and I'll just go without the bar sit to the bottom of a squat in the position that we want to get to. Now look side on in the mirror at yourself. See the angle of your back. We need to get your back to that angle at the top of, as close to the top of the squat as possible as the first thing. So then once your back's at that angle, you can just leg press yourself and you get them thinking about the whole thing differently and then focusing on one thing. And what that one thing is, I'll get them to tell me, I'm like, that one was perfect. What were you thinking about? And they'll say something weird. Like, you know, I thought about, you know, uh, um, lifting it with my back and it's like, cool. I don't care if that connects with you and makes you squat perfectly, then lift with your back, you know? Um, and, Mm. and that's, that, that's the thing, but I certainly won't be loading them up to sets to failure before I've got their squat right. If their squat isn't right, you know, it's, yeah, it's just like if I was teaching a person to, to, to race a car around a track, I wouldn't teach them to take the corner at full pelt when mm. they don't know how to steer yet. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So take the time and learn, learn how to do the movements. Correctly. Just like everything. Yeah. But, but one of the other, I, I really like to put this in there is weight training has got to be one of the least skillful sports you could possibly play. I mean, Olympic lifting. Yeah. That's, that's next level sort of stuff. I can't do that. Um, but crouching with a bar on your back and standing back up, I mean, compare that to a golf swing. It's not very freaking complicated. So if you go to a coach and this coach is like, Oh, we really need to spend the next six months getting your squat, right? Tell them to fuck off. 
It's a crouch. It's not that hard. They should be able to teach you and you should be able to do a program perhaps where you do a bit more volume and you can practice your technique and get it nailed down. But it shouldn't be a case of going, you are unable. And, and what I'm meaning is there are coaches saying, you can't train yet. We need to work on your technique the six months before you're allowed to start trying to lift heavier weights. Mm. And that's just bullshit. You should be mm. training from day one. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, like for, for us and, you know, the way we program, and we've kind of spoken about this before. It's like, I'll do the volume with those big movements because they do need the practice. But then it's just like straight after that, you're going to do leg press. Yeah, and, and that's, that's yeah, and that's uh, where uh, the stimulus will come from. Correct. You do yeah. the skill work and then the stimulus stuff. Yeah. And that's and that's how it handled it as well. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like from a training point of view, and I'm talking about the strength building side of things, mm. it's like, I mean, I might do it a little bit differently where it'd be like, I want you fresh on the leg press, bust out your one yeah. to two sets to all out failure. That's what we're trying to progress on. Now we'll do the squats. I hate the word ancillary, but it's you need to learn to squat. So mm. we're gonna go and do some squats. Some stuff after um, that. Yeah. And and yeah. that squat. What I would expect would improve their leg press too, as they get more of the feel of how to actually engage all of the different muscle groups that the squat engages that a mm. lot of people miss out on the, the nuances on the leg press from the start, if they haven't experienced how to squat properly. So yeah. it's all yeah. important learning stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've also got like, you know, you take an exercise like lateral raises, um, which I use as an example, you know, with, dumbbell side raise for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and, and it's, it's a pretty useless exercise. Really. If you did lateral raises all year long, you won't really lift very much more weight at the end of the year. If you did only lateral raises for your shoulders and you did no chest presses or shoulder presses or any other kind of shouldery exercise guaranteed your chest press and your shoulder press won't have made much progress. Mm. If you did no lateral raises all year and you just did chest presses and shoulder presses at the end of the year, you'll probably be able to lateral raise twice as much weight as you could at the start of the year. Um, so lateral raises aren't a great exercise for contributing for, to real proper strength gain on the big stuff that matters. And therefore they don't make much difference to, uh, the shape of the physique in a, in a wholesale big kind of sense as well, yes. yeah. but you should still be able to do them properly. Yeah. At some point they need to be trained because a human being should be able to raise their arm to the side with mm. a weight in their hand. Mm. Um, now, you know, th there's always a way to fit that into a program. Eventually it should never be a focus. I'll often use it when a person's injured and can't do big exercises. Like this is when we have to focus on littler exercises. Um, but every, ec you should be able to do every exercise in the gym proficiently. Mm. Um, it, it needs to be trained at some point in time but that doesn't mean that it should become the focus of your training as a general rule. Yeah. Interesting what you said about the, you know, like Craig and I've talked about this too, that, that the women that really do master that's like, at least the squat and the deadlift, like the bench, maybe not, but it really, you can see it carries over into the other, like when they're leg yeah. pressing, like, yep. you know, slow and explosive up, like really locking in tight. Like even yeah. I think about when I'm doing the leg press, it's, I go through that same setup. As what it's I exactly do the same movement, breathing, yes. yeah. racing, yeah. you know, um, and it is amazing how much more you can get out of it when you just focus and get that technique right. You know, when I, when I'm, when I'm teaching people leg, when I teach people squat, I say, think about it like a leg press. Mm. It simplifies it in people's heads. 
You go, how does the leg press work? You've got a foot plate and you're in this position and you go down and you push the foot plate away, push the ground away. It's the exact same movement. But then when they're in the leg press, I'm like, it's exactly like a squat in a squat. Would you, uh, stick your face on your knees, rounding your back like this and hunch yourself right over and take the, take your knees to your forehead on every rep. No. So why are you doing that on the leg press? And you see all these people putting their feet at the top of the leg press and they're, and they're hunched right forward with the seat right up and they're folded in half and, and their legs barely bend because their knees are starting on their chest in the first place. Yeah. And, and you go, no, it should be more like a squat. It should be chest up, you know, use your lats to lock in in the set. You need to stick your bum back as the first movement. You pull your thighs into your belly and you drive off of, you drive off in the same way that you would do a squat. Mm. Um, Yeah. There's nuance to everything. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Is there there anything else, Craig, that you want to ask him that we haven't covered? Uh, I I, I think I just wanted to add onto that point before it's, it's the, um, I, I guess the investment that you put into you know, learning the skill. And, and as Damon said, a skill of learning how to lift, you know, it's not the same as, uh, you know, being an awesome fucking tennis player or, you know, or a basketball player. There's so much more complexity and so many more things going on. It's relatively easy. But the the investment and the time that you put into to becoming a really good um, executioner of, of any of the lift, by default, you end up doing less overall work because the quality of your set becomes so stimulating that you're just like, I can keep extracting more reps out of this set because I can hold myself tight and I can get into range and I know what I'm doing each time that you, after one set, you're just like, man, maybe, maybe I could do a second set, but even then, why would I need to, if I've hit a PB and then you kind of start gauging your success on measuring apples with apples execution's good, form is good, standardized. And I'm just focusing on, well, this is better than last week. And if this is the outcome that I'm getting from a week to week perspective, then it's just like, we, we, it's, it's almost, well, it is it's physiologically impossible for you not to change, but you can only get to that point when you've put the time into actually understanding those things that are going to allow you to execute it well. Yeah, because yeah. you know what I mean. Like it has to be, you know. And I, and I think this that's probably one of the biggest things that I see with certainly with a lot of our clients. They go to the gym, they set up their phone, and they record because we we give them the feedback. They send the videos in, and we give them the feedback. And it's just you you can see them when they set the phone up and they get under the the squat bar and whatever, and they do it, and they just go. And they just drop into it and they do it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Each rep just looks completely different, whatever. And they just go, I just don't know why I'm getting my squat. It just feels kind of crap or whatever. And, and, and it was, I kind of, it was like when I used to way before this time, when I was working in the guitar shop, you would ask people that come in, like, oh, I want to try that guitar. And you'd go, yeah, I, do you play? And they're like, yeah, I play. And you would hand them a guitar and just the way they would hold it straight away. Yeah, you like, straight away. You've got no fucking idea what you're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, there's, there's this thing that comes about. It's like, you have to, you have to really be wanting to be good at the skill. Yes. If you get good at the skill, the training should ultimately just take care of itself because you become so good at it that your ability to push on a set by set basis is just so much better. 
Yeah, I, then, I, I, yeah, I, and I'm glad you bring that up. I think I get misconstrued a lot because I talk about performance and such, um, so so much. Anyone who's trained with me, you know, Craig, it's like I'm pedantic about technique. Yes, yeah. but I'm pedantic yeah. about what matters on technique. Yeah. Um, using your basketball analogy, saying you know about there's less skill in basketball and things like that. You go a basketballer needs to to practice how to shoot the perfect three pointer. They need to know how to actually bring the ball up and shoot. But when in a game of basketball, do they get the time to stand there and bounce the ball a few times, looking at the basket, getting their breathing right? And never. Mm. They need to develop the skill and get it perfect mm. so that when they're under pressure, which is exactly the same as that last one, two, three reps of, of a set, that the default movement is the correct movement. Yes. Mostly. Mm. Mm. You know, and that mostly comes down to the focus, which is what I said at the very start of the interview, that the whole thing comes down to, you need to want to be that athlete. The, the, the NBA basketballer wants to hit that three pointer and knows how to shoot the basket. Um, when you go into that set, like you just said, the person picks up the bar, they step out and then like, and you can see their heads, not even in it. It's just like, you know, oh, here we go. Here's that awful thing. Let's see what it does to me they're not trying to get a performance. Mm. They're just rolling a dice. Mm. Um, the, the mastery of the technique will come as you develop. You need to master it to that level uh, early on. Practice it in the warm-ups is where I believe it gets done. So if I'm going to do my, you know, I said it before, uh, before the interview, I think it was about my squats. And it's like I'll squat only once per year these days and I'll go up to 240-ish kilos. It takes me 11 warm-up sets to get there. Mm. Like if I haven't felt that bar on my back for that long, it's like I'm going up 20 kilo steps each time. I'm stretching and I'm spending the time to get my movement back absolutely 100% before I get to the top. It'll take me an hour to get there. So even as a person who's been doing it for more than quarter of a century, mm. it's like the mastery of the technique is still absolutely of paramount importance. If it's not there before you go into the work set, mm. that could result in an injury, which is going to put you out of training for a lot longer mm. or, or anything else. So yeah, getting it absolutely right is of paramount importance. And I think if anyone's listening to this, go and check out Damon um, on Facebook or like some of his training videos and you watch him. Has he still got some videos? Beautiful. Like, he used to have Amazing. a bunch around and they've sort of, yeah. I think there's still some up on YouTube. Um, but that, actually, that's where I think people, you're right, misconstrue you that because you talk so much about performance and pushing. Yeah. If they actually watch you train. You do that, but you do it with perfect execution. Well, if you, as you guys know too, it's, it's when, uh, you know, I, I'm exasperated when I go into gyms to see people train because all these people who talk about technique, their only metric for technique, their only concern is moving the weight slowly. Mm. And they'll use absolutely freaking appalling technique. It's like, you want to rip that shit to shreds. They're doing everything wrong, but they do it relatively slowly. It's poor performance with bad technique. Mm. Um, where, when, whenever I talk about performance in my mind, and this is just how I work, it's always a case of the technique is a given. Like in no activity can you reach the highest level of performance possible 
with slapdash bullshit technique. You've, it's, of course, you've got to have good technique. I didn't squat 300 kilos in the competition at 98, you know, with just hoping it went well and just dropping from the top and hoping it bounced back to the top again. It's like the yeah. technique is absolutely uh, a, a vital part of it. But if you're focused on the performance, that's how you get there. If, if a person doesn't actually give a shit about what it is that they're trying to do, they won't give a shit about the technique either. And Ooh. if they're not using the technique to get the performance, the technique doesn't matter. So Ooh. you get all these people who are real technique Nazis these days, and they're preventing people from performance yeah. because they're fixated on technique. Yeah. And to my way of uh, my way of approaching it, like I said about the bench press before, where when I'm training bench press, and for a lot of people I work with, I say, don't touch your chest. If you've got a big chest and short arms and you're going to be a world champion bench presser, the bar will hit your chest and you'll still do all of the things that I teach are important on a bench press. Mm. If you don't have that structure, which most people don't, it can be disadvantageous. You can make much faster progress not touching your chest. Is that bad technique? No. Is it correct technique? It's training technique in my mind. It's mm. training for constantly improved performance using the best damn technique to get that performance uh, improved. Yeah. Well, I guess it's your goal. Like if you're competing in powerlifting, obviously you have to touch your chest. So then you would do, you would train specifically for that, but we're not training women to be powerlifters. But like I said, I've set Australian records in powerlifting where I haven't benched for months before the competition because I just find it a shitty movement for my structure and getting strong. You know, my, my technique for bench press is adequate, but if I train my bench press, my skeleton just doesn't like the movement. So yeah. I was better off getting very strong at pressing and then I could go in and I could touch my chest and do it. Um, it's something that I've argued to a lot of uh, competitors, a lot of people doing powerlifting now got into training because they wanted a better physique. They wanted to look good. Mm. And then again, they get stuck into the, the religion of the powerlifting that seems to have come along with that. And they, they think they have to sacrifice the physique in order to be good at the powerlifting. And it, it's just a nonsense. You can, you don't need to, um, well, to, to be competitive in it, you don't need to follow copy what your competitors do you train for the most muscular physique you can have you will be the strongest you can be at that body weight that's the definition of what makes a good powerlifter um yeah so i i, I think so just jump in i think that is something i i'm probably am seeing a bit more so, or, or certainly some people that i've sort of spoken to who are in that are sort of realizing more is that you know they're doing all of these sets of the competition lifts and they're like, my elbows hurt and my fucking shoulders hurt and all this sort of stuff because I'm doing them so often. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like, they're forced to take a break. So they're like, well, I'm just going to do the thing. I'm just going to train like a bodybuilder. Yeah. So they, they, they go, I'm just going to do one squat, which is my top set for a, like a heavy set of three or four. And then I'm going to go and leg press and lunge and do all this sort of stuff. And they build and then, this muscle and get really strong. Yeah. And then they kind <laughs> of go back to it. And they, they only focus on this really small period leading up to the competition of four weeks of where they do it a bit more. And they end up hitting their PBs and they've done it in a completely different way than what they've done before. And they're like, well, maybe there's something to just training to be a better athlete. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it, not having to, 
destroy the joints in us, you know? Like, and, and it's funny because it's uh, a lot of these things are already sort of strength coaching 101 sort of stuff at the top yeah. level of sport. They go, use the weight tra- training to make a person strong. Yeah. Use the sport training to turn them into the athlete. You, yeah. you don't go and practice a golf swing with the cables because you'll just fuck up their golf swing. Yeah. You actually give a golf player bench press, squat, deadlift, military press, and bicep curls, and then they yeah. go out and they do 400-yard drives. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you just made them strong, and then they practice golf to be good at golf. Yeah, um, and it's it's yeah. the same thing. It's yeah. it's legitimate strength training. It's going the the better body that you want is stronger. The stronger body that you want is better. Eat and train for the two things to get. It's like mm. you know how. Yeah, yeah. I think two yeah. women like you know I I always like most women don't like we hear a lot of women kids so they don't have hours and hours to train either you know they need to get in and out um they don't want to be training five days a week most women train three days a week and i think you know like now like i like we were talking about before i'm just amazed at how little training i can do to maintain what i have like it's actually quite incredible progress that's the thing Mm -hmm. it's like you know throughout my training career we've spoken about this before it's like i I'm busy at work. I've got a program written out for myself and it's say four days per week and I'm, and I'm busy and it's not right today. I'm not going to get my performances. So I'll put it off to tomorrow. Mm. I find I'm training twice a week or three times a fortnight. And I'm just, that's how I became the strongest I ever got in my life. And then the problem is, is that I get excited because I'm hitting all of these PBs by training twice a week or three times a fortnight. And I'm just like, hell yeah, this program's awesome. I'm going to start training properly four days per week. And then all goes to hell, strength stops going up and then eventually mm. the joints start hurting and things. And you just, everybody you put on less work, but higher quality, they just make better progress. But mm. it still all comes back to that being focused, it, legitimately wanting to get to a level of performance that's way beyond you right now. You've got mm. to have that goal out there and go, I want to lift these weights. Um, and, and, and that brings everything else into play because when you go to the gym, you've got that focus because you want to get there now, not in six months. I'm going to train like I want to be there now mm. and I'll, I'll let the weight stop me. And then next week I'll come back and I'll go a little bit further, but I'm always training like I want to do that performance that's physically impossible. Mm. And if you do that, then you'll find that you care about the technique because you'll find that being focused going into the set, doing everything properly gets you a better performance. Mm. And the performance gets you the progress that gets you excited that makes you go hey this is really really working i'm going to do that again and Mm -hmm. and the whole thing builds on itself like that so would you damon say recommend then because i like how you touched on that is if you are like you're a mum, you got a kid it wakes you up at 3 a.m you know hate it yeah yeah, (laughs) would you recommend that they don't train that day that they wait until they've had some good sleep and always yeah yeah. Yeah. I, I always say it to my clients. It's like, you know, if you, let's say you've got your deadlifts once per week, your entire mm. progress hinges on that set of deadlifts going up. If it doesn't go up, you've just lost another week. Mm. So you can either go, go in today feeling tired and feeling bad, knowing you're going to miss your performance and mm. just write off the whole week of eating and training and everything else or mm. go tomorrow, hit a new PB. You'll be more rested, higher performance. You'll probably make more progress than you expected to make in the first place. Mm how are you worse off if you've suddenly hit all new levels of performance by taking an extra day off? You're not, you just improve your body faster. One thing I just want to quickly touch on before we finish is um, consistency with nutrition. Now, if anyone goes and sees Damon, he'll, 
um, say, you know, you help them build out a diet based on foods that they like and, you know, they'll hit, they'll have the protein, carbs and fat goals. And then you'll say to them, you need to eat the same thing for seven days. Yeah. Can you talk about why that you do that? It's and why purely, it's important. It, it's, mm. it's purely to measure what it does. Mm. So it's simply a case of going, the only way to have control and to know what you need to eat to make the improvements that you, you want to make mm. is let's build a diet as a starting point eat it for seven days, measure what it does. Mm. And because you ate the same quantities of the same things every day, at the end of seven days, we can go, that diet did this. We don't care how, we don't care why. All we care about is that when you ate this, this is what happened. Mm. If it's exactly what we want, we go, cool, let's do it for another seven days or let's adjust it to make it do even more of that. Or if it didn't do what we want, we need to make an adjustment. And because we know what you did every day, then we can make an educated decision what to do to make it work mm. because we can measure how the result was different from what we planned. Um, and so I'll say, what do you want to do? This is what I want to do in terms of the numbers. What do you want to eat? And you can change up your diet to whatever you want to do. You eat it again for another seven days. We measure what it does at the end of the seven days. Mm. And, and this is the thing is that it is remarkable how, amazingly sensitive the body is to very, very small things that you never would have thought it was sensitive to before. But when you eat the same quantities of the same things every day and you measure what it does, then you can tweak one little thing and just go, wow, I never thought that would make that much difference. I didn't know that I was, you know, intolerant to pasta or something else. Like I don't get bad effects, but it bloats me and my body doesn't improve. And when I change the pasta to potato or rice, I look better. I feel better. I perform better. Okay. I'm not going to eat pasta. Mm. Who'd have thought? Mm. And, and you can learn all of these delicate little things. Um, you can take that as seriously as you want. My attitude when a person, when I was doing it, when a person would come to me and I was, you know, providing a professional service, it's, I can't help you if you're not that serious. So, mm don't waste your money on me and ask me to make guesses because you ate different things in different quantities every single day. And it was around about the macros that we spoke about. Mm. It's, you know, you might improve, but I'm not learning how to make you keep on improving. Mm. Um, and, and, another, and another part of it is, is that the body adapts to every, everything that you do, I, I describe as training. So when you eat a diet, you're training your body to run on that food. And as you give the body consistently exactly the same nutrition day in, day out, week in, week out, the body becomes to expect it. And it can also go further than it would go otherwise logically in terms of it doesn't need to keep a base of body fat around for all those times that you happen to cock up your diet completely and go off plan and blah, blah, blah. And so you're able to get people much, much leaner, much, much easier on much more food, much more quickly because their body just adapts to running on the food that it knows is always going in. Mm. And all those people who get to walk around it, you know, very, very low body fat, very, very toned and, and muscular all year round. It's, they can do it eating huge amounts of food because the body's trained to run on the huge amount of food. And once you train your body to run on that huge amount of food, you've also created a habit. It's the same mm -hmm. thing. 
And so for me, it's like, even when I travel overseas, I always get service departments where I've got my own kitchen. I go to the supermarket in the country that I've gone to and I buy all of my food and I cook it up and I throw it in my lunchbox and I take it with me. And it saves me thousands of dollars over the course of a trip because I'm not going to restaurants to try to find good food. But it also means that I'm relaxed and I feel good and I function well because all my normal food is there and I get to spend more time sightseeing, shopping and doing what I want to do because I don't have to go and look for restaurants every freaking 30 mm. minutes to, to find somewhere edible and then spend too much money, et cetera, et cetera. So it, yeah, it's just full of advantages every, everywhere. It gives you total control and better results. I think, you know, and I just, yeah, cause a lot of the women that come in aren't like you, Damon. And, you know, we, we actually are lie. We do have really, and hands all she's like you, she, and again, Your hair doesn't have the same lust. Yeah. <laughs> the same results as you like she's uh, seven kilos trains three days a week eats 2400 calories and is super lean yeah. feels good sleeps well and again it's like we're not here to tell you what you need to get to to make you happy it's about going what is the result that i want to achieve am i willing to do what it takes to achieve that you know and i would say that i'm somewhere in the middle you know i i eat relatively the same things every day but i like to go out sometimes on the weekend and eat food but then i'm not going to be as lean as anna you know, I'm not, but I accept that. And I think it's about going, yeah. what is it that I want? You know, what, what is it I want to achieve and going, okay, well, I need to do, I mean, I'm pretty consistent with my food. I shouldn't say that. And I train really consistently, but it's like going, what's the result I want? Um, and then going, okay, I need to commit to doing what it takes to get that result. And if I'm not, not willing to do that, that's okay. Yeah. Like it's totally okay, but don't whinge about it. Don't whinge about the results that you're yeah. not getting for the work that you're not willing to be put yeah. in and just yeah. ask yourself like, you know, not everyone like wants to live like Anna, but then you can't expect to get the results Anna has. Like yeah. that, that, that's really what it is, black and exactly. white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's the same thing, you know, for you yourself. It's like, it, it matters as much as it matters. Yeah. So yeah. you look absolutely fabulous and you don't need to do that and you're not trying to go to a new level that you've yeah. never been to before. Yeah. Then why Be would you bother? Be happy. Enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah. If, if you're a person who's just getting into this and your body makes you miserable every day and you don't know what to do about how to fix it. And you see all of this confusion, convoluted information out there that contradicts itself left, right, and center. And you just want to know what do I do to change? Then it's a case that you come to me or us and you spend several hundred dollars per month for us to tell you. And if we say to you, well, you tell us what you want to eat. Let's build the diet together. So it's exactly what you want to eat when you want to eat it and, and everything else. Can you eat this for seven days, please? After you paid for it and chose it, eat it for seven days so we can measure what it does. Because then you learn how your body works and, and whether it works. And once you've done that for seven days, we can make an educated decision what to do for the next week. We make some adjustments and you do it again invariably everybody who does this, who comes off a more relaxed diet makes yeah. improvements that are significant and visible within seven to 14 days. And if you can get three weeks into it, you'll, you'll stop thinking about it because it's, it's already become just uh, I get up every day. I either prepared my food last night or I prepare it in the morning and yeah. I go about my day and now it's just normal. And it's not the huge discipline thing that everybody seems to think it is when it's different from what they're doing now. So if you just approach it as a spend one week to learn how your body works, to mm. try something else and try something out and measure what it does, 
then you can use that for the rest of your life going forwards. Um, It's information about yourself. So if you, Kitty, wanted to go forward to the next level, it's like you would go back to employing that technique. Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, exactly. And I think, though, like I'd like to put in there that, you know, if you do want to get to where I am, you do have to spend time doing that you have yeah. to because like you have to build that base and that foundation and like exactly. yeah. even though i don't measure everything exactly now i still every day eat the same shit for breakfast yeah. i nearly about every day eat the same morning tea mm. i eat the same lunch basically the ni- and 90 percent of the time you yeah. eat the same stuff that you yeah. would put on a diet that you I just don't anyway because that's it. just yeah. yeah i just don't measure it exactly on the scales and if i'm hungry i eat more sometimes i'll go out in the weekend occasionally i'll have a drink but yeah. You, ha- you can't expect to do that stuff 90% of the time and get the result. Like you have to build the habits and eat regularly. And But, but it's, also, it, it's also a case, as everybody knows, that it's much easier to keep what you've already got than yeah. get what you've never had. Yeah. And you, 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 know? and you know what? You'll just feel better. Like we, it's not even though I do it because I'm like, like obviously I like how I look, but I like how I feel. Mm-hmm. I like how I feel. I like to sleep every night. I like to feel like I've got energy. I like to not be thinking about food fucking 24 seven because I'm starving myself. You know, I like, like I said before, it's like, you know, when, if, if I now was to go and eat, you know, uh, uh, a McDonald's meal and I think all three of us would be the same. It's just sort of like, you just feel garbage. Mm. It's just such nasty shit. Mm. And the people who eat it regularly, they got no idea that that's what feeling garbage feels like. It's like, you never felt good enough for five minutes to know that that's actually bad. Yeah, no, I think too, like when you find yeah. the foods that you love, it's not like, like last night we just had lamb with mashed potato, like so simple, uh, mm. you know, you know, like it's, you, you find the food that you love, you don't get sick of eating it. But I, I, to me, to me, it also though comes into, and I mean, this, this happens both psychologically and physiologically as well. It comes back to that wanting to perform. Mm. So for me with my diet, it's a case of, I want to stay in the condition that I'm in. I don't find it. I, I find nothing worse than not having food ready because yeah. it's just sort of like, Oh, shit, what am I going to do now? Now I've got to go and find something to eat. I'm yeah. really hungry. I want to eat something shit and I'll just look like garbage in a week if I just yeah. ate by feel. Mm. Um, but also it's that case of your performance and everything goes to pieces. And when you go to the gym, it goes to pieces. So the whole thing kind of works in together because mm-hmm. it matters to me that I can keep doing my 260 for eight on my stiff legged deadlifts and, and my 600 kilo leg presses because that matters. I care about my performance. I keep eating the food because it means every time I bother to go to the gym and actually do my thing, I know that it'll always be there wherever I happen to be. If I go off my diet, when I did years ago, um, you know, go and travel overseas and spend three weeks of just eating whatever we ate while we were out, and it, it just plays havoc in everything. Oh, and you look and feel, feel so it, but you go back to the gym and it's just, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, how does this get so bad so quick? Yeah. I think it's too, it's even just like you say, performing the gym, it's just performing life. Like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't work the long hours that we do if I was eating dog shit food because I don't, I like to wake up and jump out of bed every day and think, oh, fuck yeah, I feel good. I feel energized. Well, I don't know what that feels yeah. like. I, yeah, I, I, I tend to feel like that at around about midnight, unfortunately. That's when I get my, my burst of energy. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, like it's not even about, I mean, it is about performing the gym, but it's outside the gym, just in life. Yeah, but it's everything. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. feel you're still happy. You know, uh, I think th- th- there's this weird kind of uh, misconception that, you know, when you've got to prepare your food, you're like, oh, that's, 
you know, it's, it's, it's doing my head in so time consuming, like thinking about this, I've got too much shit going on in my life. And you're just like, hold on, you've got this fucking ass backwards. Yeah. The thing yes, that you very... need the most mm. shouldn't be the thing that's stressing you out because if you actually do it and start eating it, you will actually stress less and find other things actually improve in your life because mm. you're not fucking hungry and your blood sugar is not going up and down. You're not a fucking pain in the ass to be around. But more the point, more, more, the, more the point, you're actually spending an hour every lunchtime trying to find something to eat because you're absolutely starving. Your brain hasn't been functioning for the previous hour because you're... So you go get another coffee and then you look for some skanky shit that costs way too much. So you're blowing you know, yeah. a couple hundred dollars a week just on crappy lunches that yeah. leave you feeling average and put you in a diabetic coma in the afternoon. It's like you, you could spend less money, less time, have more energy, be more consistent. It's actually easier once you just spend the couple of weeks of getting in the habit of, of doing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's tasty. Like you don't, like I think, like we, you, we, I know Damien eats pretty simply steak, rice, you know, like we eat pretty simply too, but it's tasty. Like steak with salt and mm. potato with some butter and some milk. And I drink coffee. I love coffee, you know, eggs, cheese, juice, fruit. I make my own ice cream. I eat ice cream every night because I love ice cream. So I think, fuck it, I'm just going to eat it every night. But it's good quality, homemade, you know, like, and I eat the same thing every day. And people are like, how do you, don't you get sick of that? I'm like, I just love fudge. I love ice cream. I love potatoes. Like. Yeah, I, I've always, you know, people go, uh, your, your diet's really boring. And I go, when I want excitement, I jump out of planes or I go race super bikes around racetracks. I don't eat a plate of food. I don't get the same kind of kick that you seem to get out of that plate of food. <laughs> I've also like this is probably an inappropriate analogy, but I've, I've also likened it to sex and, and just gone, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I eat my food and it's like six meals per day. It's kind of like masturbating six times per day. If I see a really attractive person, I don't need to go off and be naughty with them or do anything else. It's like, I appreciate she's really, really attractive, but I'm good. And it's... <laughs> I mean, that's very true. A lot of women in our program, once they start eating more food, they stop is, not eating like, and they stop it. Yeah, I'm fully they... satisfied. I don't need to eat any shit. It's like, yeah. I eat what I... I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, like, you're masturbating six times a day. I mean, yeah, I'd be a bit chafed right then. I'd be, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to put in a great performance. You're, you're overtraining at that point. Um, <laughs> that's why I only train two days a week. I'm pretty relaxed. But if you if you're a woman and you eat nothing all day, and you are going to binge at night. You will. Like I used to do it, and I'd I'd eat packets of chips, pizzas. Like I'd eat shit, and I'd feel. Oh, whenever, yeah. 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 Whenever, whenever you, you get past that point of hunger, if mm. I got caught up doing something, I'm even, I'm amazed. Cause like I said, I couldn't eat McDonald's or just make me feel like death. Mm. But it's like, if I've been four hours without food because something happened that took me away, which never happens, but when it, on the rare occasion it does, it's just like the bad shit that I want to eat because I need to eat. I'm shaky. I'm like, I need to eat. Mm. And yeah, you, it, it, it does. Your, your brain plays with you. Um, I, I, heard a, I heard a philosophy for cravings once that was um, that your, your brain basically asks you for the yummiest source of anything that you need. So if you need iron, your body could say, hey, have a chewy piece of cold steak, or it could say, have chocolate. 
chocolate's not a very good source of iron, but given the chance that you will probably eat the chocolate versus the cold steak that you probably won't eat, your brain says to you, have the chocolate. And, and that's where you get these cravings. It's just, you know, your body goes, I need whatever it is. And I'm going to tell you to eat the yummiest, the yummiest thing that you're most likely to be naughty with. Yeah. It needs energy. It's like, you've got no fuel in your body. Your body's going to crave. And what's the quickest digesting thing it can get, you know, like, and you're going to reach for that shit. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting theory because it comes off like, um, you know, when women get pregnant, the cravings just become bizarre things that they would never, ever, they've never eaten before in their life. It's like, I feel like pumpkin ice cream. Um, and it just weird, weird shit. And this theory was that it's like your body just tells you to eat the yummiest thing that's going to give you what you need right at that point in time. And you won't even guess what it is, but it's just just things that your body does. It's um, yeah. So if you get there first, and that's actually, it's a, it's a really good trick for knowing whether or not a diet is is good and it's working for you and it agrees with you is that if you find yourself wanting to eat other things off of the diet, even though you've got your food ready, it probably means that the diet isn't right for you. Mm. Um, and mm. if, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's just a really, really good rule of thumb. It's like something in there isn't working, change the diet. Mm. Mm. So true. It works. Yeah. Same with our clients. Yeah. It's, yeah and you yeah. shouldn't like now I don't get really cravings unless I don't eat. Like you say, if I get called away, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I eat so yeah. badly, but to yeah. give you an idea, this is kind of, kind of interesting if you're a nerd like me, but, um, it, on there's certain low, lower thresholds of uh, fats and carbohydrates that when you're eating a diet consistently, you suddenly start finding works. The lower threshold for fat in most people I've worked with seems to be about 10 to 15% of calories in that if I get a person's fat down to let's say 11%, but for them, they need 12%. And it literally is this pedantic. It's not, it doesn't seem to be the grams. It seems to be the percentage mm -hmm. um, to a point. Um, but it's like at, at 11%, this person will be madly craving sugary food, chocolate, ice cream, all of those sorts of things. You bump in the extra two macadamia nuts that bump them over the 12% gone, mm. disappeared. And it, these are the things that you learn when you get people eating, you know, absolutely a hundred percent consistently all yeah. the time. Mm. Um, you can actually even find little things like that. So, um, mm you you it could be a case for any of the the people listening that you've tried a diet before and you just went it was terrible i craved all of these things blah 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 the diet was just not balanced correctly for your body mm. um it doesn't mean that that entire type of diet's ineffective and can't work there there's subtle things and again yeah. that's why you follow a diet and you measure it you see what it does yeah yeah, yeah and I, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway there is just like you know, uh, choose foods that you enjoy eating, <laughs> be consistent with them, measure the outcome. If everything improves, keep going. If it doesn't find out why yep. it, it really doesn't need to be any more complex than that. I, I, I feel we can go down the rabbit hole so far with trying to understand things that are potentially going on, but as you said, we can't measure them anyway. So they're mostly irrelevant and they're usually going to be fixed by you <laughs> making the adjustment to the food that you probably want to eat anyway. Yeah. Yep. One, of, one of my most basic principles I keep saying to people is, is just the only two variables you can play with is the food you stick down your neck and the weight that you put on the bar, you know, you know what you do in the gym. If it's yeah. not working, the only two things that you can change are the food that you stick down your neck and the weights that you put on the bar. Yeah. So all you need to worry about 
is measuring the food you put down your neck and the weight that you put on the bar, what it does to your body. If it works, there's the answer. If it doesn't, there's the answer. Anyone talking about anything else is telling you, ignore the weight, the weight on the bar and the food that you're sticking down your neck and start chasing unicorns. Like it's, you, you can only, you either look at the, at the food you eat and the training that you do, or you have to ignore the food that you eat and the training that you do and what it's doing. Mm. They're your only two choices. My best recommendation is just worry about the food you eat and the training that you do and measure what it does. Mm. All the answers are right there. Nothing else matters. Mm. Totally. Yeah. I've, I've probably stolen that one and used that yeah. a number of times. Uh, actually Good. it's yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that was one of the, the lessons that I learned uh, pretty well. Like when was it back in like 2010 or whatever, when I, when I met you, which seems a lifetime ago now, but yeah. it, it, you know, it, it was, it was that simple. And I think that's where the whole sort of spark kind of started for me was it's just like, you're complicating everything because I, I do like to overcomplicate stuff. I'm my own. You'll do. Yeah. You know? And and it's just like, when you just go back to keeping it simple, you just like, it, you just stress less because you're like, these are the things that only matter. I'm only measuring those two things. Anything else really doesn't matter. And you can only affect those. Two. Like it always just comes back to the, That's right. you know, like, yeah. so. Yeah. Even when you make up all of those stories about hormones and enzymes and biochemical processes that you know nothing about, it's still like, right, so what am I going to do? I'm going to throw out the diet that's been working really well to do a different diet that makes absolutely no sense. And I'm going to keep following it, even though it isn't working yeah. because yeah. I'm worried about all of my biochemistry. It's like, it's just stupid, yeah. you know? Measure yeah. your diet. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it change it. Yeah. <laughs> funny, the women that, which is not funny, but obviously the women now probably get the best results. They just do the basics consistently. They eat the food, they eat nutrient dense food, they eat enough carbs, they eat regularly, they do the training, they listen to their body. You know, like say if they're exhausted, they don't train, um, they get sun, you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And they get the best results. And there's other women. And I've been, you go down this rabbit hole of like every tiny little supplement and all this other shit. And it's just like, you know, this is this is we we talked about this before as i did that stupid two months of where i was like just doing too much training and my sleep just went so shit and i upped all my food but it's like obviously there's a you you can only eat so much food to counteract like it's not going to matter like you're just doing too much training and i got right down in the nitty-gritty so i was like i'm going to track everything i'm going to track how much salt Mm. i'm eating to make sure and (laughs) just ignore the big picture that i'm just doing too much exactly yeah and we we changed my training program what we talked about now i'm just doing three days a week like yesterday, I did four sets, lower body. Oof. And I'm like, I had a great sleep last night. Oof. And I'm just eating my normal food, like the, what I always do with the same amount of salt. And, it's, you know, like it's just, I think people, like you say, get so into the micro when they're forgetting the big picture. Like, are you overstraining? Are you, are you too much stress? Not enough sleep, not enough sun, yep. not eating consistently, yep. you know, like. And, and, and again, it, and it all comes back to what we said at the very start, which is if you're focused on the performances in the gym, the body will happen, mm. but you need to actually care about it. And you need to actually want to lift these, these really good performances that other people are capable of. And mm. as long as you do that, then, I, I mean, it still takes tremendous discipline, even as the guy who, you know, was the architect for recomposer, it's like, it still takes tremendous discipline not to overcomplicate it, not to think that there's some other complex 
additional variable that's causing a mysterious outcome outside of the diet and the training. And, mm. and ultimately you always come back full circle and just go, you fucking idiot. Just mm. change the training. If it's not working, <laughs> change the diet. If it's not working, mm. you, should, you know, uh, change the goal. If there's no further, you can go in that direction, given everything else the person wants to do. Just, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, awesome. We probably should wrap it up because we've been going. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait one second. Let, let's uh, let's just. Oh, let's uh, show Damon the video of Damon training. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so oh, video. Of, okay. Let's let's see what's what what was so going. Damon a there. Bit of, a, bit of a running commentary because this yeah. this was probably the video that I saw and I was just like, I don't see people doing lunges with any kind of reasonable weight in the more than And the look, can I just say, look at that ass. Like, isn't it just ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, we found out much That was back before asses were a thing too. Yeah. And that was, you totally nude there, right? Like good hand placement. Like I'm thinking. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we found out much later that that, that that was actually him in that picture. He, he maintained yeah. for a lot of years that it was a client. Um, oh, really? Not a client. It was just someone that I knew. Just, yeah. <laughs> technically true. I wasn't <laughs> lying. I was just. So 150 yeah. kilos. Yeah. Craig talks about this all the time, actually. Oh, yeah, it's fucking bizarre. So the oh. the way I do the lunge, the uh, the idea behind it is that it's a essentially a one legged squat. So mm. if you if you cut mm. out the back leg going back, yeah, you see that the shape of the movement actually resembles a squat, and mm. the bar travels vertically straight up and down. So the back leg is offering, you know, obviously an amount of assistance, but it's primarily a one legged squat. Mm. Um, and because you can use so much weight um, and, and get that assistance from the back leg, it's like you make real genuine leg progress that translates across to other exercises. Yeah. The, 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 the cramping in the glutes and the destruction of the glutes with this technique is just epic. Well, that ass looks good. So I think, Craig, we need these in my program. I need a bigger ass. Yeah, we've done it before. And you're yeah. like, these are fucking too hard to get right. <laughs> so, so that's legitimate failure. That's actually why I posted this video um, was to just go, this is what training to failure actually looks like. Like the technique doesn't really break down or change all that much. Yeah, it's right. It's consistent right kilos. to the end. Yeah. Oh, gee, they looked hard. But, yeah, but, it's but, but, <laughs> first couple of reps of every set are really, really shaky. Yeah, and you kind of get into it, and you're right. But yeah, you got to find your rhythm on them. They, they, and you've got to kind of take them like more slowly than you would. But yeah, because you're on rest. a single leg, yeah, uh, the, the 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 energy wastage if you go too slow is quite remarkable. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the focus here is just on getting that number. I, I can't remember what I was trying to get to exactly. I mean, that last rep, it was kind of like, I knew that was a last rep, but it was just, <laughs> <laughs> I needed to do one more to, to even out the number. So, oh. Well, how many calories do you eat, Damon, a day now? Uh, I've, I've just changed my diet recently. Um, but most of the time for years and years, it's been around the 4,000 calorie mark. Isn't that incredible? Protein, 20% carb, 40%. You're just so lean and you'd eat 4,000 calories. Just that consistency. Incredible. Back, back, back when I competed, the, the lowest my calories went was the last two comps were, um, well, the very last comp was 4,200 calories a day. And you did no cardio. No, of course not. No. no. Yeah. Um, I think I was, 
<laughs> I think I trained. I think I was up to about four days a week training. I might have hit five days a week, just one session per day. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally going into the comps, uh, even now, it, uh, it's now that I've worked with more athletes getting into comp prep, it's uh, the, the workouts actually get less going into the comp. So they might do more frequency if we, if we need to. Um, and by need to, I mean, if, if we need to push things along because we're not where we want to be yet and we've already got to a certain level, then we might add more, train, more workouts on. But all we do is we split the volume over more workouts. Yeah. So, you know, was, an entire workout for, the, for them might be literally one set of deadlifts. Mm. And then they might come back later in the evening and be one set of leg press. And mm. it's lots of warm-ups and yeah. then one all-out set so that they, you know, because coming into a competition they're depleted and lower on energy. Um, we need to keep those performances up. And the only way to keep the performances up is by doing less, but keeping the quality good. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's a really interesting point that it's, it's, you're not actually adding in more work. It's you're technically doing more volume because they're rested when they do that second exercise, because they might've done an AM PM, but you're not actually adding more work for the sake of doing work. We're like, let's just keep what's working the goal of a technically cut is to maintain the muscle that I've got at this point. So we just manipulate the variable to maintain those performances, Correct. but not do it by adding in a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like I say to people, you know, if, if you've, if you're a, a top level athlete and you've just squatted, you know, 260 kilos for a set of 10 reps to failure, on your, you know, 2000 calories. So you're yeah, absolutely guys. destroyed. Yeah. It's like, you know, really, is there, can you possibly tell me that doing five sets of 140 kilo squats would have been better to that set or that there's going to be any damn difference by going and doing five sets of leg extensions afterwards. It's like, you've done what you need to do. You know, the, the body's, been been told very clearly i need to keep every gram of muscle that i've got or i'm going to die Mm. go home job done um Mm. and and it works we measured it it works um Mm. whereas if you add more sets at that point all that happens is the next time you come back you're weaker lost muscle and now you've got to diet down to a lower body weight um which means lower calories and the whole thing just spirals out of control and likewise with the uh, with the aerobics, it's when the calories are already beneath what your body's adapted to running on, um, and your training frequency is up, so you're already kind of pushing the limit of of what you can handle without losing strength or burning out. Then throwing um, uh, aerobic training on top, endurance training on top of a strength athlete who's got less food and more training happening already, you're just guaranteeing muscle loss, performance degradation, and then having to lower calories further to diet to a lighter body weight at the same body fat percentage. It's just, you would never do it. It's the dumbest thing I could possibly imagine. So even at the extremes of bodybuilding competition, I still go, cardio is meant for people dying of cardiovascular disease. You do not do it as an athlete of any sort ever. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, Damon, if people want to find you, what's your website? Uh, DamonHayhow.com or they can go to Recomp.com to find out about the Recomp industry and uh, registration-y stuff. And that is the software that we use. Um, no, that's the, that's the oh, registration. Sorry. So, sorry, sorry. The Recomposer is what we use in our program, but the ladies who follow us will correct, know that. Yeah. Um, also check out his, uh, his podcast. His, mm. uh, 
Yeah, he's got some good. Bit of a, bit of a ranty <laughs> old man getting stroppy, as the intro says on uh, yes. on those, which are which are quite good. So always informative. So that's good. Awesome. Thanks, well, thank cool. you. Um, thanks so much, Damon. We really appreciate you taking. Always time. love catching up with you guys. Doesn't feel yeah. like a podcast. Just feels like catching just up with friends and thinking about the stuff. Oh, and look, I just want to throw in there because I know that, you know, you guys about this is cheesy, but like the ladies that are listening, like you will just be so much more empowered deadlifting and squatting and, you know, getting strong in the gym than you ever will do in <laughs> cardio. And it is just like, I, and I know this will sound silly, but like it's, I feel quite powerful being strong, like having big shoulders and big, you know, like some guy can lift more than some guys, which is really cool, you know. And, it's and it, really, really cool. I, you know, is, I love that. Yeah, it's nothing more fun than, you know, having, uh, having, uh, a girl that you're training, take them into the gym and getting on the equipment, working in with the guy and then outlifting him and just going, where well, we're just warming up, you know, Excellent. do you want to do another set? Oh, you don't. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's so, so good. And I, you know, I really believe that the principles that you learn lifting, the discipline, the grit, you know, like if you can master this and play the long game, it really does flow into other areas of your life because you just, Usually, yeah. Yeah. Actually, can I, I, I add yeah. one more thing, just continuing on what you're yeah. talking about there too, which is for any of the guys or girls out there listening, um, if you are looking at these aerobic activities that the other the trainers are doing, like the um, punching focus mitts in the park or something like that, go and do the real thing. Don't go and do a bar aerobics class. Go find a dance school. Learn to dance. Dancing's awesome. You can get this, you will get a massively better result and have way more fun actually learning to dance than doing a silly bar class. Go to a boxing gym. I've got a heap of friends who are in boxing. Great, great guys. They're sweaty, sweaty places. But every girl that I know who's gone to a boxing gym and actually gotten to doing some actual boxing training, it's like you learn some self-defense and it's way more fun than doing any of that boxy sort of stuff. Mm. Um, any of those activities in the fitness industry, please forget the fitness industry. Don't do the silly classes. Go off and do the real thing because the real thing is really cool. It's more fun and you'll become a better person. You'll become empowered. You'll have more fun. You'll actually learn something new and better and you'll get good at something. Dancers have great bodies. So go do, learn to dance if that's what you want to do if weight training isn't for you. So what well, you're saying, Damon, is that you should train specifically for your goal? <laughs> thank you. Yes. So if you want to be a tennis player, Go train. Go play tennis. tennis. Okay, cool. Yes. If you yeah, want to yeah. look toned and athletic and strong and lose body fat, strength. Go athlete. to the gym, lift yeah. weights. Yeah. Don't do go what... run marathons to be correct. Like a strength athlete. Okay, cool. Or go. if you want to, if you want to do that, if you want to go walk on a treadmill, don't walk on the treadmill. Go and get a coach. Go and train for triathlon or for marathon. Like, do something real. It mm -hmm. takes the same amount of effort and the same amount of time to do something that's actually good and significant yeah. as to mm. do the little soft fluffy version that's being sold in the fitness industry mm. go get go go live life do real stuff be yeah. an athlete master it's, something master something it's really yeah. rewarding yeah. yeah so that's what i'm saying what what i'm saying is not even i'm talking about weight training because we're talking about weight training that's for this purpose but it applies to everything else at, at, you know, the point of cardio is to take all of those sedentary people in society and get them off their ass. And the only thing that they can do is walk because they're sitting on their ass. The next progression on from walking, if you can already walk, move on.
you've already achieved health and fitness, go become an athlete. There's great activities out there and all of them will make you look better, feel better, function better and get you massively better results than piss farting around in aerobics rooms anywhere. It's like there's really good shit in life out there. Go do it. Totally. Oh, awesome. I mean, that was so good. Thanks so much. And right. you know, if you want to honestly go check out his website and watch more of his videos, you know, we love Damon. He's awesome. Um, love and, you guys. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to get you on soon. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, bro. Cheers.